0: Welcome, good to see you, those of you who are here in person, those of you who are worshiping with us online. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I've been gone for three weekends, so I feel kind of like I need to reintroduce myself. Marina I had a beautiful opportunity to, um, got to go to Israel for two weeks, and so that was three weekends for me. It was a gift from her mom, we got to go with some of her siblings, and we went with the church that actually sent me to seminary, So, and then to be in the land of the Bible and Jesus and all that, it was Just beautiful for us on a lot of layers and um, really glad to be home, suffering from jet lag in a horrible way. So if I fall asleep up here, it's not because you guys are boring, it's just because I'm tired. So um, we're gonna make it through this, but again, it was a beautiful trip and um, I'm really grateful that uh, Bill was able to come and Ezra spoke last weekend and those guys have important voices for us as a church and so I'm really appreciative Uh, that we get to experience them as well, and it freed me up to be able to be gone. We're in this series that um, we've titled Wise and Otherwise, and we're looking at the Proverbs, which is wisdom literature in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, and um, offers to us a wise way of living, and um, I love a few things about the Proverbs, and so I I didn't get to introduce this series, so I thought I'd spend just a minute giving you a couple of my thoughts about it as we jump into this, and one of my favorite things about the Proverbs is is that uh, the secrets of living well are made available to everybody, not just people who are born into the right family. right? If you, if you look around the world today, um, the, the people, there seem people have every advantage try to keep that advantage to themselves, for themselves and for theirs. And what God has done through his people is the, the guy who wrote the Proverbs, he, he had every advantage and instead of keeping it for himself and just for his family so it passed down so they could be the only ones living well, living wisely, it's, it's published and it's for all of us and so we all have the opportunity to live wisely and to live well and I think that's a beautiful thing. The other thing about Proverbs is that they're written from God's perspective. So this is, this is wisdom that is offered to us from this, the perspective of God and I think it's important for us as we, as we recognize that to realize that much of what we read was as countercultural in the day it was written as it is for us today, as we read these things, God's perspective has always been different than the perspective of people, and and His way really flies in the face of our natural way, and so these things are as countercultural then as they are today and recognizing that this is against our natural bent. So oftentimes when we read the wisdom of God, there's a piece of us that kinda of rises up in the inside and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, that, that doesn't sound right, that doesn't feel right, that's not necessarily the way that I wanna go because again, these things, they're against our natural bent, but what God does for us is he opens our eyes so we can see things from his direction and then we get the opportunity to live in his way. And in that, we get to live wisely and we get to live well. And then the other thing about the Proverbs, and I think this is really important as we, as we talk through a number of things, is the Proverbs were written to a young man who's not yet had a lot of time in his life to live otherwise. We're talking about living wisely, wise, And otherwise, I don't know, like it doesn't tell us how old he is, but it's often in the Proverbs you read about, you know, listen, my son, pay attention to your dad, pay attention to your mom, listen. So I like to picture this Proverbs as a conversation, mom and dad are writing this to their son who's about to turn 13. So the Jewish culture, he'd be right on the edge of his bar mitzvah, which means he's entering adulthood, he's becoming a man. And so the Proverbs are from mom and dad who have every advantage, offering to their young son every advantage, how to live life wisely, how to live it well, before he has a chance to go astray. And so as we think about these things, there's two pieces to that. One is it's written to a young man, but that doesn't exclude the ladies amongst this. Like we just have to do a little more work as we think through some of these things to make it applicable to our lives. The other thing, and I think this is bigger, is most of us who are listening to this today are not on the front end of life and have had no opportunity to live otherwise. Most of us have had the opportunity and made decisions that are indeed otherwise in our lives and we're living in the downstream, we're living in the consequences of some not wise decisions and not wise behavior on our part. And because of that, I think this is great news, If you've been otherwise in your life, it's not over for you. It's not over for you. This is a beautiful thing about who God is and about how he lets us move forward in our lives just because we've gone astray because of his grace. It's not over for us. You are not doomed to be walking down the path that you're currently on. Now you may have to just kind of stop and recognize where you are, and how this is off the path and do some repenting and step back onto the path, take some next steps towards God's best and God's direction for your life. But it is not over for you if you have been otherwise in your life. And so I'm really excited to say that for us because most of us aren't 12, almost 13, the front end of our lives, looking at this clean slate in front of us. Most of us have taken some steps that have got us off course And God looks at people like you and people like me who are off course and says, hey, come on back. Like, there's an opportunity for you to come on back. I've created a path for you to come on back, and so we're gonna talk about that. We'll make sure we talk about that in our time together today. So where we are in this series, what I wanna talk with you about today, in whys and otherwise, is how it relates to sex. And this is an important conversation, and honestly, as I prayed and prepared for today, I've been asking God that this weekend would be a freedom weekend for so many people in our church. Depends on the statistics that you read, between one third and two thirds of us are caught. Like we are trapped in decisions and behavior that that I'm just gonna call otherwise. And, and we all know that it's, it's more devastating than that. And so what I've been asking God to do as we talk about this today is to highlight his truth, his way and the life that is found there for us and his grace and his willingness to help us move back into the path and the way of life that he has for us. And so, so God is willing to lead us away from guilt and shame into life and health and joy. And so I think this is gonna be a great weekend for us together as a church. So about 15 years ago, uh, Marie and I and our four kids were living in Michigan and our parents and some of our siblings live in Oklahoma. And so we were on a road trip and it is 16 hours in the car and we had been in the car all day and it was kind of dusk, sort of getting dark, and we were all a little bit cranky and tired from being in the car. And I don't know, it was clear day, so you know, eight, 10 miles ahead, it's kind of dark. We could see those lights, these lights, those flashing lights. And what I thought it was, I was driving, what I thought it was, I thought there was a carnival up ahead. And so I called the kids' attention to it. It was like, hey, look ahead, and they started talking about the lights, and wondering what this is, what kind of carnival it is. And we even began to stop about, or talk about maybe stopping at this. So for seven or eight minutes, we're having this conversation about what is, look how much fun this looks like. And we got there, and as we got to the exit where the lights were, what it was is it was an entire strip mall dedicated to adult entertainment. And I have been like working my kids up (laughs) for this for seven or eight minutes. And what I wanted to do is just kind of step on the gas and get out of there and not let it be a thing at all. But here we were. And and so what it became, it became this awesome moment to talk with our kids who were probably anywhere from seven or eight years old to 14 or 15 years old of like, you know what that is, is that is a really good illustration of what our culture has done with this whole subject of sex. On the outside, it's just been, it's been painted like it is this carnival, like there's, like there's so much fun and there's so much life and, and just all these opportunities and it's for you and, and what's going on though, what's really going on, what was really going on in that, in that strip, that entire mall there, that day in that moment, it's a great opportunity for me to share with our kids what's really going on in there. It looks like it's a lot of fun, but people's lives are being ruined. Marriages are being broken. Men, women are being torn down. Women are being objectified. Men are being taught wrong things about who God is and about women that he's put into our life. It looks like it's so much fun and that place is alive. But what it is, is a place that leads to death. And, And so as we engage with the Proverbs, really Proverbs chapter five through seven, most of chapter five through seven, are actually about sex. So there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, almost 10% of the Proverbs deal with the subject of sex because the wise mom and dad who are talking to their kid at the, front of life, at the front end of life know there's so much at stake here. And so they have this kinda long conversation with him about this area of sex in his life and the importance of, they start with the importance of living beyond the moment and making decisions for the future. So in Proverbs chapter five, verses three and four, and again, remembering that this is written to a young man, so let's just kind of make the transitions that we need to, but they're telling him at the beginning of this conversation, the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, like it does not get any better than that in the moment. In the moment, it doesn't get any better than that, but in the end, she's as bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. And so we see from God's perspective, as Proverbs are written from God's perspective, that in this area, the decisions we make in this area of our lives, the stakes are really high. And the truth is, there's a path that leads to life and there's a path that leads to death. And we don't always see where it ends at the beginning. And so there's a huge difference between in the moment and in the end. And so I want us to talk at the beginning here, kind of go with the wise mom and dad as they explain to their young son what wisdom is in this relationship in regards to sex and how he lives for what it is, what's wise for him. And so in chapter five, starting down in verse 15, we're going to back up and look some earlier verses in a minute. But here's what wisdom is. Here's what they offer to him. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares. Now this, this image of water in a culture and in a time where water was an everyday thing. Like you and I don't think about water every day. Hopefully you're drinking some water every day, but we don't think about it every day because we walk over to the tap and it's there and we go to the store and it's there. But when it's not always there, So now they're giving him this image of something that we think about that they have to think about and live with every day. Water's a precious commodity. Don't take what doesn't belong to you and what you have, the resource that you've been given. Don't waste it. Drink water from your own cistern. Don't let your springs overflow in the streets. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving doe, graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And so don't, don't take any of this for granted and don't spread it around and don't take what belongs to you. And so the wisdom, if you just kind of boil down the poetic language, the wisdom that they're offering their son, the front end of his life about about God's view, God's perspective on sex. There's just a few bullet points, and these line up with what the Bible teaches in the rest of the scriptures. The first is man and woman, husband and wife. Husband and wife, man and woman. That's where the Bible starts in Genesis chapter two, and it continues all the way through the end of the book. Husband and wife, man and woman is the first little bullet point there about wisdom. The second one is in a covenant relationship. When wise mom and dad are talking to their son, they use this little phrase, uh, the wife of your youth. And that is a signal to us that all throughout, especially the Old Testament, that's God's covenant language for about when a man and a woman enter into a marriage relationship, from God's perspective, when you're entering into a marriage in God's eyes, you're entering into a covenant relationship that is is you and your spouse and him. And it's this three-way relationship that involves physical, emotional, spiritual, like the whole deal. And it's a covenant that you make, not just with each other, but also with God. And then the words that we saw, always and ever, it is, it is a permanent covenant. And there are some instances where it's broken, but from God's perspective, and when Jesus was asked about marriage, he walks right back to God's ideal that he perpetuates in Genesis chapter 2, and he says, like, this is what it is. It's husband wife, man and woman. It's a covenant relationship. It's always and forever, and Jesus makes that statement, what God's joined together, right? What God's joined together, don't let anybody break that apart. And so they're offering their son this, this, here's what wisdom looks like from God's perspective. Now remember, what's true in our day was true in their day. They knew that the world around him, around their young son was gonna be looking at him and going, are you kidding me? Do you? Like, do you see the options that are available to you and do you hear how narrow and restrictive what your parents are telling you is? And, and if he's tempted to listen to all that, to think back, and if he would reread, he would hear these words that his mom and they're speaking God's wisdom over this area of sex in his life, living in God's way, here's the words that come with it. Blessing, joy, satisfaction, intoxication, love. These these are the kinds of things that we're looking for in our lives, in our relationships, and this is what's found by walking God's way. Remember, there's a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death. And, And this mom and dad, this wise mom and dad are showing their son, this is the way, this is the way that leads to life. And as they're talking with him about wise, they're also laying out for him not every option, for otherwise, his day, our day. There's so many different options of what otherwise could look like. What they did instead was they just kinda gave him the price tag. Here's the price tag for living otherwise. And this is found in Proverbs chapter five, verse nine through 14. If you choose to live otherwise, you'll lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. The strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you'll groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I wouldn't obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Like this is is what's at the end of the road for people who choose to live otherwise and if you wanted to kind of boil some of this down, there's the price tag really seems to land in four different spots here. There's the mental and emotional price tag about your honor and your dignity and, and giving that away, losing that. And if you, if you noticed it in, in the verses, you don't just give it away, you don't just lose it, you lose it to somebody who's cruel. And, and so somebody who's cruel takes your honor and your dignity, and what they do with that is turn that on you into, into shame and into embarrassment. And so there's a mental and emotional price tag on this. There's a financial price, which may not pop into our minds, but you're gonna, you're gonna work and work and work, and all your work is gonna enrich somebody else. And, and, I, and I think some of this is, there's some practical side of this, but some of it is just the hand of God. On people who choose to, to live otherwise, they just kind of get what they get in that. And so there's this financial price, the physical price tag. At the end of your life, you're gonna groan. And, you just, it, and, and that is not a happy groan. That is, a, I have wasted my life, and I am wasting away. And I can't believe I spent my life like that. And then there's that spiritual and relational price tag too at the end of it, I found myself in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. And, and I think there's a there's a part of that of like, if you choose to live otherwise and you're just stubborn about it and you just keep living otherwise, you're gonna find yourself not in a not in like a mean way, but you're gonna find yourself at odds with people who are trying to live wisely. And in their culture, like that was supposed to be all of them. And so there was, I found myself in serious trouble in the assembly of, of God's people. I think there was a little bit of that, like, hey, in my life, I found my but I also think this is looking forward to, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand before God. And I'm, the decisions I've made my whole life, I'm gonna have to answer for that. And so they're trying to warn him away, there's this price tag for living otherwise in your life. So live with wisdom, mom and dad say to this young kid. So okay, so as I, so as I read through this, and as I talked through this, one of the things that it struck me as I was prepping for our time together. So we are listening in to a wisdom conversation between mom and dad and a 13 year old kid. And we've just covered like a full chapter of Proverbs. So in my mind, this is just Daryl's imagination, I see this 13 year old kid, like he's, maybe not physically, but emotionally, like he's hiding right now, right? So like he's had mom and dad talking to him about something he's uncomfortable with for the last however long, and so he's, so they give him a break, they give him a break. So if you're reading chapters five through seven, you get to the first half of chapter six. That's kind of a break. It's not talking about sex anymore. And so they let him breathe just a little bit, talk to him about a few other things. And then because there's a lot at stake here, second half of chapter six is they're back at it. And they basically reiterate to him the same things they covered in chapter five. This is so important. It's so important they say it again. And, and maybe hopefully now he's beginning to grasp at least, at least the baseline of this, of like there's a lot at stake here. And, and my decisions now, like there's gotta be a big difference between in the moment and in the end, right? I've gotta pay attention to that stuff. And, and that statement about don't take, what's, don't take what belongs to somebody else and don't waste the resource, all of that, all of that. And hopefully he's starting to settle in on him. And then what mom and dad do, and I think this is genius from a teaching tool, what mom and dad do, starting in chapter seven, is they give him a scenario. And, and I think they give him the scenario that is it's the most likely starting point for him to go otherwise. And so they just kind of paint this little word picture, chapter seven, starting in verse six. I, just in my mind, it's dad talking to his son. He says, at the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. And I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, so these are just, they're all kids about your age, man. They're all just, they're they're at the front end of life and they haven't lived enough to have a lot of wisdom yet. And so I looked down and I saw a group of you and there was one in particular who had no sense. So he's going down the street near her corner and he's walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading. as the darkened night set in. And then out came a woman to meet him. And she was dressed like a prostitute and she had crafty intent. And she took him, took hold of him, and she kissed him. In that culture as well as like, she grabbed him and she kissed him and with a brazen face, she said, if I could sum it all up, those next several verses, she said, come home with me. Hey, buddy, watch out. Like this, this is the way, that, this is the way it's, it's most likely for you to go bad. Like you gotta watch out for this scenario. So I think if mom and dad are having this conversation with their son today, I think they'd paint a little different picture for them. If they were talking to us, I think they'd paint a little different picture for us. I think they'd say something like we were in the window of our house and we saw a group of people and they were on their phones. They were on their computers. and and a flirty, attractive person popped up on their screen and they looked straight into the camera, looked straight through the screen and said, click here. What we know, what we know, this is is across the board. You're talking to Christian people, you're talking to secular people. Internet pornography is an epidemic, not just in our country, but in our world. And it's not just with kids, it's with grownups. This is, this is a massive issue we've got going in our world. And, and it starts, it starts with that first little moment, that first little invitation to click here. It's, it looks flirty, it looks fun. It looks like in the moment, it might even be good. And then we move into in the moment, it seems like it's a great thing, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her. Followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. He had no clue. He had no clue. The first click, he had no clue. Like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces its liver. Like a bird darting into a snare. All at once he followed her. All at once, you click, little knowing that it will cost you your life. There's, there's a way that leads to life, and there's a way that leads to death. There is there is wise and there is otherwise. And and that step to otherwise, it is, it's it starts so small. It starts so small, and it's so easy. It's an easy step to take. And so is the next one. And the one, and you're not very far into the deal before you begin to identify with the deer who stepped into the noose, like the bird who's been grabbed by the snare, trapped. Trapped. This is this is one of those this is one of those areas in our lives where the stakes are high, and living otherwise, the price tag the price tag is so great. In prepping for our time together this weekend, I read a book called "Sex in a Broken World" by a guy named Paul David Tripp. I like the title because it's it's not sex is a positive thing. The world is broken, and the way broken people all of us, the way broken people engage with this beautiful gift that God has given to us, it, this is a struggle for us all. And the book may be uncomfortable in many ways as I read through it, but it's, it's a healthy title and it's a healthy look because the other beauty of all this is, remember we talked about beginning, if you've been otherwise, there's still hope for you. You're not stuck, you haven't wandered so far off the path that there's, there's no way for you to go. You, you don't have to continue to live out there. God invites us back to his way that we can live in, in the life that is blessed, joyful, and healthy, and good. And so I'm excited to be able to share with us that, that in, in the world, remember, between one-third and two-thirds of us who are listening to this, participating in this worship service, if the stuff about church is to be believed, the information about church is to be believed, to about half of us have issues in this area in regards to sex and living wisely. And, and where you are is not where you have to stay. And the path you're on is not the path that you have to continue walking. God has more and better for you. And so let me tell you these things, That these are good news, this is good news for me. First piece about good news is, is you don't have to live in denial about this. Like you don't have to live in denial that you're where you are that it is as bad as the bible says it is you don't have to live in denial like you you could understand that we have all sinned like all of us have sinned there is no expectation from heaven that you and i have lived a perfect life i love the psalms i think it's psalm 90 where it talks about god knows our frame He knows we're human. He knows we're made from the dust. He is compassionate and merciful towards us. And you and I do not have to live in denial. We do not have to pretend like there's nothing wrong and like there's no problems and like this way is a way that's leading to some kind of life. We don't have to live that. We've been given a different opportunity and a different chance. You don't have to live in denial. The second thing is you don't have to hide in guilt and fear. Now, I don't know what your experience in church has been and I don't know what your experience around God's people has been like But in this place, you don't have to hide in guilt and fear. We know for sure, in Romans chapter eight, verse one, God's makes this beautiful statement. He says, there's no condemnation for people who are in Christ Jesus. We're not about condemnation, we're about next steps, we're about moving forward, we're about living the life that God has for us to live. And so if, so if you find yourself caught and you find yourself trapped in this moment, I know one of the messages that's running through your mind right now is I can't say anything about this. If, and you fill in the blank, knows or finds out, it's over. And that is not a true statement. If, if you have darkness in your life and you let it stay dark, ooh, the darkness compounds. But if you've got darkness in your life and you let the light of Jesus shine on that, oh, it is amazing what his light, how it dispels darkness. In the Gospel of John, chapter one, talks about how Jesus' life is the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. So there may be some relational fallout and there's gonna be some bumps that you have to work through and you might have wronged some people and you've gotta stand in the face of that and deal with that and make it right. But if you just keep the stuff in the dark and if you're living hiding guilt and fear, all that's down that path for you is more darkness and more guilt and more fear and you do not have to do that because there is a God who loves you who has sent his son to die on a cross to pay for your sins, who rose again from the dead, so that you have the kind of life that is needed to overcome the darkness in your life. And so you do not have to hide in guilt and fear. Here's another cool thing, you do not have to fight your battles alone. You do not have to fight your battles alone. If you're fighting a battle alone, guaranteed that's a battle you're gonna lose. Or if you are fighting a real and serious battle and you're doing it all by yourself, guaranteed that's a battle that you're gonna lose. You may be able to hang in there for a little bit make a valiant effort, but you're not gonna win that battle if you're fighting that battle alone. That's not how God intends any of his people to fight any of their battles. That's not how he intends us to walk into anything that he has in front of us. Jesus always sends his people out two by two, right? So at least one other person being in the battle with you. He gave us a church. He gave us a mission and he gave us a church. He gave us together so that we can accomplish the mission that he has for our lives. You don't have to fight your battles alone. If you're convinced that you've gotta do this yourself, You're convinced you got to do this yourself. You are, you're doomed to failure in that. You can maybe stand still for a little bit, but pretty soon the weight of all that's behind you is going to catch you and push you forward down that path of otherwise. And you do not have to fight your battles alone. He's given you, he's given you his people. He's given you his church to come alongside of you and to be with you and to be his light in your life, so that his kind of light shines in the darkness of your life. You don't have to. You don't have to do stiff all on your own anymore. And the voices that are telling you, I've gotta keep this quiet, I've gotta keep this secret, I've gotta keep, that is not your heavenly father's voice. That is not the voice of anybody who loves you, that is the voice of somebody who's trying to tear you down. The Bible tells us "A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus came so that you could have life. That is not the voice of Jesus saying to you, keep it a secret, you can do this yourself. If you've been caught, you're caught. And you need somebody else to come alongside you with the light and life of Jesus to help you get free. And that's that last statement there. I can be transformed and live in a new and better way. This is, this is the good news. This is, we call it the gospel, but it means good news. This is, this is the good news. That God loves you and he sees you right where you are. He sees you and he knows you right where you are, right how you are, and he loves you. God demonstrates, Romans chapter five, verse eight, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, whatever that looks like in your life, while you and I are still in that condition, God sent Jesus, Jesus died for us. That is love right there. And so he loves us and he offers us, if anybody is in Jesus, if we are believing in him, if we're saying yes to his life, his light, we get to be a new creation. This is great news that you could be transformed and you could live in a new and better way. No matter how far down the path of otherwise you've walked, there is always a path. Jesus has cleared the path for you to come back to wise, to living under the life and blessing and joy and hope that God has for his people. And so, so this is an invitation for you. This is really an invitation for you, if you, have, if you have walked down, if you're living that path of otherwise, this is, this is a great opportunity for you to receive the life that Jesus wants to give to you, the light that he wants to bring into your darkness. And so what we're gonna do, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back out here and they're gonna, they're gonna lead us in a song, a song about graves into gardens is the title of this song. And if, and if you found yourself living in darkness, you know, you know what it's like to live in a grave. And if you've met Jesus and experienced his transformation, what you know is he doesn't leave you in the grave. He will transform and his life and his love will transform you and you can end up living the garden of his life and his joy and his health and his peace. So they're gonna sing this. You, you join in if you wanna sing. If you just need to sit here, like, this moment is for you. This moment's for you. This moment's for you to let your heavenly father speak into your life, to speak into your obedience, to speak into your disobedience, to speak into your pain, to speak into your suffering. This is a moment for him to speak into your life and for you to say yes to what he wants to say to you. And as we worship together and we finish worshiping together, I'll come back and I'll close our time. have a seat all right so remember you don't have to do this alone you don't have to do this alone you can live in a new and better way so so if you're caught if you're caught here's your next step Um, I'm gonna give you some emails on the screen here these are all pastoral leaders in our church and um, Ezra Johnson we've got uh, for you men if you're caught Ezra is he's he's ready for you to email him ladies Joy G leads our women's ministry uh, for you young men, um, Brandon Rockwell, who leads our high school ministries and young women, Andrea Wagamans, who leads the ladies' side of our middle school and high school ministries. If you're caught, these are your people. And give them an email. And so here's, here's your subject line in the email. So if you're wondering, what in the world would I say to them? This is what they're waiting for. We've talked about this. We're waiting for you. The email says weekend services, right? That's your subject line in the weekend services. And then your one sentence, I'm ready to live in a new and better way ready to live in a new and better way. They're ready for you, but you've got, you've got to take this step. This is the step for you inviting Jesus's life and Jesus's light into the darkness of your life. And, and so there are, there are people who are ready, willing, able to be the light and life of Jesus for you so that you can find freedom, hope, life, joy, peace, goodness to replace and override all that shame, guilt, and darkness that you've been experiencing. And so if you're caught, if you're caught, I hope you'll take this next step because this could could be a freedom weekend for you. This could be a freedom weekend for you. So I'd like to pray for us. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me as we wrap up our time together? Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power that you bring to bear in our lives. We are never so lost that you don't see us, desire us, draw us back, you pull us out of deep pits and put us in firm ground and give us wide open spaces in which we can run. So thank you for that. And so I pray for those of us who are experiencing darkness in our lives right now, we would be willing, we'd say yes to the light and life that you wanna shine through Jesus and through your people. Give us the courage, you drown out the voice of the enemy who wants to steal, kill and destroy. Give us the courage to say yes to what you're offering and to take a next step, and again, Jesus, we're really grateful for your grace, and that there's no condemnation for people who come to you, so we we need that. Every one of us needs that in our lives, and, and we're saying yes to it, and so we love you because you have loved us, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being here, being part of this worship service. It's been amazing to be with you, those of you who are here in the room, if you need somebody to pray with you, there'll be prayer leaders down front. Those of you who are online, if you click the prayer button, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you guys. It's great to be back. Great to be home. I love you. Look forward to seeing you next week.